Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes, chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hopalong, John Cassidy. Mark Larson, thank you very much in Southern California. Welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Man, here we are in the last stages of summer, but when it comes to the saltwater bite we're experiencing off our Southern California coast, it doesn't get any better. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, during the show, Stan is just back from a five-day trip on the Top Gun 80. Wendy's just back. On a, a day and a half, I believe, on the uh, legend, we're going to talk about the success of their trips. Rod Real Radio is leaving tonight on the Sea Adventure 2 for an overnight, and we're looking forward to having some great fishing. So we're going to talk about that. But other things we're going to get into from Ask.com. We've got the expert on Baja with us, Tom Gatch. He's going to talk about some of the fishing opportunities you can experience up and down the northwest coast of the Baja Peninsula. So great show tonight. Regular reports from Phil Friedman and James Nelson. But let's introduce to you the co-hosts of Rod Real Radio. First, he is the voice of 1-800-BASS-BOAT. He's also a pretty good fisherman in his own right. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing? I am alive and well. I mean, real well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about fun. that in just a minute. Let me, let's introduce <laughs> Wendy she is the national sales manager for Iserline plus reps, many other fine products in the fishing industry. Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how are you getting along? Oh, I'm doing just great. You know, fishing is uh, great out there, and I hope everybody listening goes out because, you know, the fishing hasn't gotten down at all. It's- well, you know, uh, the fishing's great. We're going to have reports from Phil and, and James Nelson and. Tom Gatch is going to be on with us, too. But, you know, we've got some fishing reports for you that are firsthand experience. And, Stan, why don't you take it away? Because you had probably one of the most phenomenal trips that I believe probably you've been on in a long time. You know, it was our own Blue Planet adventure. (laughs) (laughs) We had, we just had an epic trip. We had a, a little of everything uh, on the Top Gun 80 with Captain Bobby Taft and Scott Hart. Um, and the gang, along with Shea McIntyre, was stoked on fishing, so we can we can verify what we did here. But uh, Bobby goes in all of his 
career, he goes, I've never done what I've done on a five-day trip like this before in his history. So what we ended up doing is the first night getting out of there, after we got baited up and we got good bait and ended up in the Cortez Bank in the morning for Big Yellowtail and and Big Yellowfin up to 40 pounds. Wow. Um, and we decided, okay, we've had enough of this. Let's take out of here and we'll slide up to the Osborne. So we went up above Santa Barbara Island there to the Osborne on the outside of, the, of Santa Barbara Island and ended up with limits of bluefin that were up to 40 pounds plus up there, and plus a hammerhead shark that was the size of New York City swimming around the boat. It was fun to watch. Um, ended up coming, deciding about three-quarters of the way through the day, Bobby calls me up to the galley. He goes, hey, what do you want to do? And I go, well, we're done with limits of bluefin. we got good yellowtail fishing and good yellowfin fishing. Let's go wahoo fishing. So he goes, okay. So we end up heading back south and stopped and loaded up uh, Chuck on the legend with some of the bait we had because he did. He was running out and getting low, and then we were going to bait up that night, which we did. And uh, at dinner time, we did a, a wahoo seminar uh, with Jeff Larson, myself, and a guy named Joe Almagrandi that they all have long-range experience and. We told the guys we're going to give you a shot at something that, you know, you just don't get a chance to do on five-day trips, and we are going to actually go hunt for Wahoo. Um, uh, Ballyhood, Daryl from Ballyhood Lures had provided everybody on the on the boat with a Wahoo bomb that you could actually either throw or troll, take your pick. And uh, we set out for the morning when we got up and started looking for kelps, and the second kelp we, we ended up on had some dodo slapping around the top of it and small yellowfin <laughs> and a little breezer. And I go, this is the one, boys. And we ended up sticking, I don't know how many wahoo, but landed five on that one kelp, um, which was a great way to start the, the, the day. Ended up sticking another a striped marlin, a big striped marlin, just off of the thing, and a bunch of dorado that we, we did land and a couple other kelps and headed then for uh, San Martin Island. So the next morning we got up and, we're fishing around San Martin, outside of San Martin. We weren't there yet. Found a kelp outside that was just loaded with big Dorado again. And uh, we look underneath it. It's got about a 400-pound blue marlin sitting underneath it. Oh, my kelp. gosh. Along with a hammerhead about the same size going around the outside of it. And there was just all kinds of small yellowfin and, and decent-sized Dorado on that thing. So while we fished for that, we... Uh, had killer whales come up to the boat and kind of slide off to the side, um, a big buck male and a female. And then next thing you know, about a 500-pound mola slides up to the boat. And, and Shay's got the camera on, under the water at, uh, while he's filming all this. And the day before, when he stuck the little GoPro down, it's got a little blinking red light on it. And there were so many Dorado in the water that they were coming up and trying to chew the camera with a little red blinking <laughs> light on it. So he stuck it down there in front of the mola, and the mola turned around after it was swimming away from the boat and came back to the boat and sat there probably 10 or 15 feet away from, from his camera just looking at it. So yeah, we got some pretty outstanding film. We ended up sliding out and getting two more uh, marlin hookups that were big, big stripers. Uh, one of them, we guess, was over 200, and the other one we didn't get a chance to see but one time in the jump, and we never. He was on the, that fish for probably gosh, two hours before he lost it. We never did get it up to even look. It was just a good one. 
And then uh, after we did that, we slid into the island, went calico fishing for a while, and gave ourselves a little break, ended up catching some more yellowtail on the island and goofing around there. We stayed in the lee, had dinner that night, and uh, he took off at 3 o'clock in the morning and put us back out there where we'd gotten the wahoo before, ended up finding a kelp for some massive, massive amounts of big Dorado. So we loaded up the boat with what we needed for limits on that, and then we all decided we'd quit. We had enough, way more fish than we needed. We'd had an adventure that you couldn't find on a five-day trip, except for an El Nino 15 here. Uh, and I know some of the other boats that were out there were doing the same type of celebration as we were. Maybe they didn't go as far as Santa Barbara and all the way down to San Martin and back, but we did, and we had an absolute great time. So i got to say thank you to Bobby Taft and Scott Hart for running the boat, Jimmy and Sal on the deck, and we had a special chef, uh, Steve uh, Duncan Bugman, who has his own little barbecue deal that he goes called uh, Smoking Butts. <laughs> and it, he did a great job of providing uh, pulled pork and his own custom barbecue sauce and cooking for the boys. And nothing but fun. Nothing but fun, along with Shay McEntee, who you'll be able to watch this a little long, uh, probably after the first year before the Fred Hall show. It'll, it'll air, and you can watch all the fun we have. Other than that, it was nothing. Wow. You know, Stan, that is a, uh, a trip that you can only uh, offer in this uh, summer of uh, 2015 to, to have such diversity like that. Incredible. It was. So, I mean, the guys that told them, Are you, you're going to have a shot or we're going to try to give you a shot at something you won't get a shot at. You'd never get a shot at on the normal five-day trips that we've been going on for years and years and years. I mean, Guadalupe is one thing. Uh, that's its own... Ballywick, you know, great place. It's probably one of my favorite places to go, but they got to shut off. But uh, for a chance to do everything we did and cover as much territory as we did, it's unheard of. So, you know, I, that's why I say kudos to the boys on the Top Gun 80s for everything that they did for us, and we had a great trip. Now, now Wendy, you just came back from a trip. You were out with Chuck Taft and on the legend, and you had a special guest with you. You had a he had a guy that lives in Page, Arizona, that uh, maybe the heaviest thing he's pulled on is stripers. How did that uh, trip go for you? Oh, it was fantastic. I had Ron Colby, the uh, VP of operations from Gary Yamamoto Custom Base. And, oh, no uh, kidding. Two, yeah, two, two of his buddies, um, Neil and Jeff. And uh, it was so great to see. Um, the legend, first of all, is a great platform to fish on. I love the bow. There is so much room there. And then you go on the side of the boat, there's room to pass by when other people are fishing. So it's a great fishing platform. You um, bet. But uh, it was so neat to see. These guys had never fished for tuna before, and this was their first trip, and they just hopped on a two-day, and we got up to the bow, and those guys are fishing. I had the hot jig. It was the Colt Sniper in the 60-gram in white. Wow. And really? it was like every cast on this thing. And, and so I, I, I brought extras because I figured they wouldn't have any. So I gave it to them, and they figured out the pattern. Of course, they're bass fishermen. Yep. They figured out, um, after it kind of slowed down and all of them were using them and they're getting used to using them, they were ripping them, and it was on. Uh, that's pretty funny. They, they were ripping the, the, the snipers. So, yeah, and it was every cast. It was it was amazing. Um, 
What and, grade of uh, fish were you uh, uh, into, uh, uh, Wendy? Oh, uh, they were all small. They were probably, um, I'd say, ten to fifteen. Um, and but you know, I we had limits. I mean, it was amazing. It was mayhem. We saw just like you, Stan. We saw marlin. We hooked up to a marlin. We saw hammerheads. Um, but what was really cool, right on the starboard stern side, really close to us, I'd say maybe maybe fifty feet away. There were two marlin going after a tuna, eating a tuna. That just came right up in the corner. It was awesome. Isn't that the coolest? See, that's the thing. You only, you only see this on the big blue planet unless you get a chance to go out on these sport fishing boats and spend time on the water out there where you can actually witness this kind of stuff. Uh, it's, that, that is amazing. Well, and not only that, we also, I was, I was dead set. I wanted to get a wahoo. Well, we we ran into Wahoo. We ran. We saw three of them. One was a short shorty. And the other two were pretty nice size. Um, Merritt got hooed. We, uh, you know, he just caught cut. Just, I mean, that was a clean cut on his line. So that had to have been a hoo. No, um, that just and, happens. <laughs> That's yeah, part of the yeah. deal. So I put on wire and I tried um, baiting one. Nothing. Nobody would touch it. Not even those zippy little yellowfin. So then I put on um, I put on a bomb, a wahoo bomb, and uh, nothing. I started trolling my marauders, nothing. So, but we did see them, which was pretty cool. And we saw we saw turtles too. We saw like three turtles. Well, really? I you think know, that for Steve- the guys that are going out there, when we had kind of put together a a little scenario of you know guys, some guys are throwing bombs, some guys are throwing the iron. The iron seemed to be a lot better than than uh, the bombs. They wanted the iron better than the bombs. And, and I, think I did have a follower, but nobody bit. And, and uh, Merritt also had a follower on the Raider. Yeah. Stan, was one color working better than another? Uh, I think, well, gold is always, I think, your most best choice. They had the gold and green, uh-huh. or green, the green... Seem to get well. Either that, the green or gold, seem to be the two colors that were more prominent. Um, one, two came on. Uh, I know two came on the gold raider. Uh, I know one came on a green, a green homemade bomb out of just a, a sinker, short, and, uh, and and they actually painted the sinker green. You know, a four ounce um, torpedo sinker with a skirt on it, a green skirt. No I had the follower on the green, and, and nobody followed on the pink. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that that was probably the primary color was green, probably because of all the Dorado that are around on all of these kelps, because Wahoo love to eat the Dorado. The other one is the, the purple and and uh, silver, purple and black, because the rest of it is all, there's tons of skipjack out there, and there's tons of that. When you get down south, you get a lot of that little five to eight pound uh, yellowfin tuna, and, along with the uh, the blue and silver uh, and purple that are on the little purple people eaters that are out there too. So, um, with between the skippies and the yellowfin, I'd take the blue and the blue and purple or black and purple, um, and then along with your your dorado colors, and I would stick with those too. You know, guys, in all the years we've been going out there. 
And Stan, I know you make several long-range trips every year. And Wendy, you're out all the time on your Iserline trips. Have you ever seen a period of time where there is more diverse life in the ocean, no matter where it is, if it's birds, if it's different types of uh, marine animals? I I can't think of a time. It's like being in an aquarium. It's incredible. California's the new Baja. (laughs) I think we ought to put it in just by Baja. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll tell you what. uh, To to be able to to say, you know, we're going to go Wahoo fishing, and we we stopped in the Cal 40 miles from San Diego with the intent of catching them and actually got them. You know, it's an amazing, amazing year to have the diversity that we have out in front of us, to have... You know, a little while ago, we were looking at two to four hundred pound bluefin four miles off our coast. That stuff. Hey, well, you know, Frank, Frank, Frank the producer, came in the same time we did, and he got a sixty-one pound uh, wahoo. He was yeah. on a two-day trip. Yeah, I mean, the diversity and the and the opportunity is there right now. If you haven't gone fishing, get on a boat and go. That's about all I can tell you. No kidding. Hey guys, we got to take a break over here, uh, but there's still. A lot more fishing to come. Hey, you're on Rod Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. You've been listening to Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. More to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at 
www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> I, that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshihara. And I brought on tonight's guest with us a little bit early, Mr. Tom Gatch. He's with us. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Glad you had me on. You know, Phil Friedman has been trying to get in. Uh, He's in a spot right now where we can't make a good connection with him. So we're going to continue to talk a little bit about fishing. We also had another guest that was scheduled for tonight. We've not been able to make contact with him either. That's uh, Jared Davidson. And, guys, I don't know if you heard about this unusual catch, and hopefully Jared will be with us. But fishing from the Mission Bay jetty down here in San Diego, Jared was fishing off the jetty and hooked into a 45-pound yellowtail. Ooh. And not only did he, did he hook into it, he brought it up to the edge of the jetty, and then he had the predicament, how am I going to get it up the jetty? Well, yeah. He had his friend with him, and his friend literally jumped into the water, swam around with a fish, held the fish by the gills, climbed up on the rocks, and they brought that fish in. So oh, it was a 45-pound um, yellowtail. And Stan, I know you've been waiting for the reports of the Wahoo and the uh, tuna off the piers, but this was a 45-pound yellowtail off the Mission Bay jetty, and I believe he caught it off a swim bait. So uh, You know, he did that just to show up, James. Oh, man, it was, it was great. Uh, so one of the more unusual catches that we have tonight, hey, that's we have cool. uh, Tom Gatch with us, and Tom is with Ask.com. And, no, About.com. About.com. Uh, and what is your function there at About.com, uh, well, Tom? you know, the About.com website has a number of experts, as they call it, from varieties of things, from, from medical issues and everything. I happen to be their expert for saltwater fishing issues, and I cover things around the world. I, You know, for so long, John, you know, I've covered stuff from Southern California and Baja and whatnot, and now I find myself writing about stuff on the East Coast and on the uh, 
um, you know, around the world, uh, Seychelles, Christmas Island, uh, you know, you name it. So, Well, you're also a rather accomplished author. Now, first of all, you know, we met back in the early 80s. When we were both writing for the San Diego Fisherman That's right. Magazine. That's right. And uh, you were doing at that time, what kind of a column were you doing? Well, I was the Bayside Angler, and you were Hopalong John's Galley. And right. And had some of the best recipes. The stuff you came up with is really good. I tried to give people an opportunity to, uh, you know, find out different ways you could fish the inland uh, areas where you could go, you know, inside the surf zone, go into some of our local uh, esteros, bays, and whatnot, and take advantage of the, you know, the ba- the Spotted bay bass, the halibut, uh, croaker, a lot of other things that you can get in those venues. Well, you know, over the years, I've I've depended on you for a lot of fishing, but it seems like one of the things that you have a great amount of expertise in is fishing the Baja Peninsula. How did that uh, evolve? uh... Well, yeah, actually, I ended up writing a book, Hooked on Baja, and uh, one of the things that... uh, drove me to that eventually was my early uh, years coming down with my parents in the early 60s and or actually earlier than that in the 50s I was probably down when I was seven eight years old and we'd come down to the Ensenada area back when there wasn't any uh, there weren't was no cruise port there was no basically even no breakwater there actually this waves came up right onto the beach they weren't big waves because it was kind of protected but we uh, would go there by the time I was about uh, I guess about 14 or so around 19 19 uh, 61, we went out for the first time to the uh, end of the Punta Banda Peninsula to La Bufadora. And at that time, there was no paved road. So it took us about an hour and a half from Manadero to go out on that wow. graded road. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> but when we got out to the end, it was totally unpopulated. And you'd go down there, to which is it's beautiful now. And it's still, they have a lot of, uh, you know, structures and whatnot. But, but uh, boy, to go down there when there was nothing else there. What and I, I mentioned that I was, you know, wanted to live down there someday. My dad thought it was a little bit weird. But uh, at the end, uh, he didn't think it was weird after all, because it's a, it's a great place. And talk about a wonderful fishing area. In the old days, we used to have some of the best yellowtail fishing, I think, in the world for the Jurel, the, you know, the, uh, the standard, <coughs> excuse me, northern hemisphere yellowtail. Um, that we get off here off the Pacific coast. But um, over the years, what had happened, they had uh, a, a lot of bait fish in the, in, in the area. And a lot of people started uh, having a, a side business of netting these things and turning them into fish meal. And, of course, once you take away a forage from any kind of predator species, you know what happens. Sure. I am just happy to say, though, thanks to El Nino, Man, we have had some of the best yellowtail fishing down there I have seen for years. And I mean, like, right near the point, right off there. We're getting fish, you know, up to 30, 35 pounds. But having said that, I know growing up in, uh, I used to live at the top of Newport Be- uh, Newport Hill up there in Ocean Beach. And, and uh, I'll never forget fishing as many days in, over the years as I did on the Mission Bay and the um, the Ocean Beach side of the jetties. But I've never caught a 45-pound yellowtail off there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're few and far between, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, you know, I have uh, in town right now, in fact, he's going out with us tonight on the trip that we have, sure. the Run Real Radio trip on the uh, uh, Sea Adventure 2, oh, yeah. Pat Basler. And Pat Basler uh, spends a lot of time in his farm down in Costa Rica. And he's actually complaining that, the fishing in Costa Rica and Central America is lousy because with this El Nino, it's pushing all the fish up north here. Are you uh, are you hearing, or does it seem like, like along the Baja Peninsula, <clears throat> is the face of fishing changing as this El Nino takes effect? 
Well, I think I think it is, of course. You can tell it's manifesting itself everywhere around the peninsula, but I, I honestly think that what you need to realize, too, is that it depends on the kind of fish that you're talking about. If you're talking about a surface species like tuna, like uh, even some of the you know uh, pelagic yellowtail that are you know not the home guards. If you're talking about that and the Dorado and everything, most of those are, are surface species. However, if you want to go down toward the bottom, the 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 proliferation of the grouper species, whether you're talking about like uh, broomtail grouper, you're talking about black sea bass, you're talking about those type of fish. Um, those are pretty much in the territory they're in. Um, you will see things like white sea bass a little further north. In fact, I just heard something uh, about a uh, somebody catching up near San Francisco, catching a, uh, a small white sea bass up there, which is a little out of the territory. Wow. Yeah. So I'd say that we have, yeah, when we talk about uh, pelagics and we talk about migratory species, yeah, you bet the, uh, the El Nino is pushing those up. But don't think that any of those hungry bottom fish down there that have been treated to those red crabs for so many months are going to be going anywhere. They're, they're, they're still there. <laughs> Man, now... You know, uh, uh, having gone off our local waters, I don't see the red crabs and in, in the fish that we've been cleaning. I don't see the red crabs uh, much anymore. It, yeah. It, are the red crabs, or they've gone back down south? Are they out further, or what's happening? Well, I'm not sure, but I, I, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, the, uh, if a lot of them are further north. Oh, that if, would be. Yeah, if some if somebody if somebody were to tell me that they had red crabs on the beach up at Morro Bay, I probably wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Stan uh, and Wendy uh, and the trips that you have had out in the past week, and especially Stan because you went far out. Was there any uh, 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 indication red crabs were there? We didn't see it, and it, they weren't coming up in the fish. So I think a lot of that stuff, you know, those that kind of big giant balls of it that were involved with, you know, the bluefin. And they kind of chased around. The elephant uh, came in and fed on it too. And it gets to a point where, like, they run out of. They they'll just feed on it until there's nothing left because everything out there was feeding on those those big balls. Of, or and it was bait balls that were deep and long and wide. But when the water currents changed and pulled it away and pushed it out, I think away from us, the feet the 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 fish changed to fin bait and, and started eating the sardines mm-hmm. and, and anchovies again rather than, you know, just primarily looking for the red crabs. So, and that's a good thing. Yeah, we didn't see. We didn't see any red crabs either, you know, and I was I was prepared to, you know, hopefully to see them because Ron actually poured me a few baits that looked just like them. <laughs> good idea. But, uh, but they weren't around, um, yeah, and most of our fish are feeding on, on anchovies. They really wanted the chovies. More than they wanted the sardines. You can hardly get bit on a sardine. Really? You know, uh, Tom Gatch is with us uh, from About.com. And, Tom, uh, in that area, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of the Bufadora and Ensenada Bay. There's a lot of uh, hydroculture going on. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, one of the things we've noticed over the years, also the bluefin tuna pens. Uh-huh. With the way this water is heated up, are those pens still there? What? Do you have any idea what's happening with them? Well, yeah. The uh, tuna pins are still there. They're moving around a little bit. Their proliferation is a little greater, to be honest with you, than I'd like to see, simply because when you have a farming operation of that magnitude, 
what you have is a need for forage for that. Now, in Australia and other places over the years, they've used plug bait and you know stuff that where they've manufactured it. Unfortunately, when you're in <clears throat> excuse me in northern Baja like this, there's really only one option for you, and that is to take the fin bait, the fin fish around the area that you can take with your saners and bring them back. Well, unfortunately. Those are the same fin fish that bring in the white sea bass when they're coming into spawn. Those are the same ones that bring in a lot of halibut this time of year. I have noticed a decidedly smaller catch of halibut this year. We have didn't even get a white sea bass show. We only, you know, for past years, right that area right just south of the tip there is a really good area for white sea bass between uh, Trace Hermanas and the and, and the rocks out there at the very end. The 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 um, the uh, Little promontories there. Uh, that was always really, really good during during the uh, sp- the uh, springtime because you'd have the spawning uh, white sea bass come in there and you get fish to 40, 50, 60 pounds even occasionally, but they were very, very good. You just don't don't have that anymore, and that's because you are farming a product that requires food. And um, as far as any, um, I would say any uh, malfeasion of the of the area directly below the the um, Hens, which a lot of people were predicting because of the high nitrate that you know right. expelled, um, they've gone down and haven't really noticed as much of that. But but what is without a doubt is they are taking away our local bait fish. It's uh, something that the local recreational and commercial fishermen are both um, you know highly incensed about because they it's 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 taking away the livelihood. And as we know from our studies that we've done about sport fishing as opposed to commercial fishing, that when you've got people that are paying for sport fishing and recreational fishing, the dollar benefit to all the businesses involved is so much greater than some commercial operation may be taking the same amount or even even uh, more than, uh, than these other people. So uh, I would say that um, hopefully within time, we might find a little, I don't know, some other type of alternative for needing this many uh, farmed uh, tuna, but you know it's it, it's a, it's a supply and demand issue. So right, hey, uh, I just got emailed a uh, a note from one of the fishermen out there, Robert Yeager, and he says, hey, he was out on the twelfth, and they got yellowtail that still had red crabs in them. So good. I don't know what kind of trip that was, but it's good to see it out there. Yeah. With these, uh, just as bluefin, if I'm not mistaken, the bluefin like cooler water. Yeah. We've got warmer water. Yeah. With warmer water, I would imagine their metabolism is up. And does that mean that with their metabolism up, they have to eat more? That's a really good question. Um, I would say that that's, a, you know, for me, I would think that the colder the water, the more you'd have to eat because you'd have to generate, you know, more energy in a colder environment. But I, I'm not really sure. Sh- it is kind of surprising to me that we have as warm a water that we have now, which is like what? seven to eight degrees warmer than what we grew up with around here this time of year and we still see some bluefin in account we still see uh, you know that and I'm, I'm i'm not really sure the science on that to be honest with you it's been so long since we've had bluefin in the mix right well stan you found bluefin in the mix in the trip you were on and and do you think that was be a, uh, that was because you were able to get out where there was a little cooler water or are, does it mean that they're still out there well, last time we checked, there were a lot of boats. I mean, what was it, five days ago or less? We were up on the Osborne, and that fish had moved around. We saw it moving a lot, even, you know, during the off-season or what we thought was the off-season where uh, they didn't find it and you couldn't go down to Mexico and get it, but all of a sudden we had 
spots of that that were they were just feeding on the red crab. We couldn't get it to eat, but it was out there off of San Clemente and and moving around as it moved up against the beach here, following that red crab when it came up. Um, when the red crab was depleted, it moved out, it moved out to San Clemente, and then moved north. And we heard it was on the Osborne for a while up there, and um, it went away for a while. And everybody saw, you know, but that's bluefin fishing too. Bluefin fishing, if you're used to fishing for those doggone fish, you'll have them bite for a few minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. In the days gone by, albacore, you'd be albacore fishing. The albacore would go away, and all of a sudden, somebody catch a bluefin. Bluefin would come in, and you'd catch the bluefin for a while. On that same drift, all of a sudden they'd go away. The albacore would come back. Bluefin do the same thing now. You get onto a drift, and they'll stick with the boat for a while and they'll eat. But they're, if they're in the area like they have been, you've heard of the boats that are just on these long drifts and on pick bites all day long. Well, we did the same thing. Ended up up in up at the Osborne, and there's there were several boats up there. I mean, it wasn't like we were the only one, and you could you know go on these long drifts. We ended up putting the anchor down because. They would, you'd have a, a pick bite going for a while, and then they'd kind of go away. But the other boats that would be around you, you'd see them picking up the fish here and there, and all of a sudden they'd come back. We had a steady pick all day long. So I don't think that fish has necessarily gone away. you just got to find it again. Yeah. Well, all right. Hey, guys, you know, this is this is just interesting stuff. And, and the, the deal is, though, is that it could be confusing because – Especially if you go out on a two-and-a-half-day trip or a three-day trip, trying to figure out what you're going to bring with you is going to be tough and stand. I know you don't travel lightly. You bring a lot of stuff with you, so they, that must have been one heck of a predicament for you. Well, you know what? The thing is, too, I had some rookies that, that we brought with us. They'd been on two-day trips with us before. Um, but we had several guys. Like, well, the problem with this one is you got to be ready to catch, you know, yellowtail, yellowfin, bluefin, and wahoo. <laughs> And, and anything else. I mean, it was pretty much like going on a 10-day trip or an 8-day trip where you got to be, you know, ready to bait fish, yo-yo fish, surface iron, throw the bombs, get the wire out, you know, but like Wendy was saying, you know, she had a little bit of everything going, and the fish tell you what they want because they don't want so much. So you just have to find out, you know, who's catching them and kind of duplicate that stuff, Um while you're on the trip, hard to do. By the way, uh, on a short trip, it's easier on a long ranger, a long trip when you've got time. But if you're going to go now, I mean, just be prepared. You, if you can catch forty pounders off the jetty, <laughs> you got <laughs> to think you got to be ready for anything. I, I went by the Mission Bay jetty today, and I got to tell you, there were a lot of people fishing off it. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys. We got to take a break right now. Uh, you, you know, Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshihara. We have Tom Gatch from About.com. He's here. Coming up next, Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. I had a chance to go out to the La Jolla area with Captain James, and we had a really outstanding trip. We'll probably talk a little bit about that. And we had an incident where we actually had a first-hand encounter with one of the biggest creatures that nature provides. So we're going to talk all about that and more on Rod and Reel Radio. We have to take a break right now. We'll be back right after these messages.
Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio, and I really want to thank uh, Bob Yeager for giving us uh, a note on those red crabs. He was uh, fishing the Triton with Captain Ryan out of, I believe that's out of Seaforth over there, and, and they, 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 I'm sure they didn't go that far out. So red crabs are still out there, but as Wendy said, the bait, uh, the fin fish are really what they're biting on, and boy, I've got to give kudos to Buck Everyham and the folks at Everyham oh, Brother. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The uh, yeoman's job they are doing of keeping those bait receivers uh, filled Uh we went out of, uh, with Captain James and I, we went out of uh, Mission Bay, and uh, we had great bait today, even with the pressure that was on them. But, oh, yeah. hey, I don't have to tell you about this, because we have with us right now the fish icon himself, Captain James Zelson. Captain James, how has the past week gone for you? Hey, John, it's been a busy one, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> has it ever. Well, you know, as I normally say, I follow you on Facebook. And this has seemed to have been an outstanding week for you for Yellowtail and Bonita. What, what have you been doing? Well, you got to see a little bit of that today before the radio folks to give a better explanation. Basically, we're throwing sardines out there, and uh, if the fish don't want it on the still or the drift, then we just put the motor in gear a little bit and tow them behind the boat for a little, little speed there. 
Well, what uh, Jim is referring to is uh, I had the opportunity to go out with Jim. I've got uh, Pat Basler, and if some of you are scratching your head going, Pat Basler, what do I know that uh, name? Uh, Pat started up, uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, got... Uh, Got bit.com back in uh, 1996 and uh, did that report for a long time before he passed it over to uh, John Grandona. And then Pat went down to uh, Costa Rica and has been living down in Costa Rica. Is also, uh, he uh, was living in Alpine for a long time. Pat came to visit us and he's come out to fish the Run Real Radio trip with us uh, tonight aboard uh, the Sea Adventure 2. So we said, come on, let's go out and just do some stuff in the the local kelp beds, because uh, Captain James has been doing uh, a pretty good job finding fish out there, and Captain James, you did not disappoint. Well, that's always a good thing to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, I was mentioning we had an encounter with nature over there, which was pretty outstanding. You want to tell that uh, story? Well, you mean about the sea lions or the kayakers? <laughs> kayakers. Wild kayakers. <laughs> yeah, we had we were out there with a plastic armada, that's for sure, when you go out of La Jolla. Uh, La Jolla. And then, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then, you know, yeah, you should have seen John stand before he had all those daiquiris. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that beast that we saw out there, John, he was as big as a whale, wasn't he? Hey, my gosh. We were... <laughs> We were slow trolling sardines and, you know, looking at the kayakers and looking for bird schools and looking uh, for kelp patties and looking towards La Jolla Shores from uh, Point Loma. I think it was, Jim, you were the first one that saw this gray whale that was not only breaching, but it was jumping out of the water. It was like the insurance company commercial Mm -hmm. that you see where that whale jumps out of the water and flaps on its side. And we were going oohs and ahs, and and, uh, Pat's lady friend who was with us, she gets out the camera, and she's trying to focus, and it comes out of the the water again. And you can... You can, and from a couple of miles away, you can hear this crash oh, yeah. of the water, of this thing slapping against the water. And all these kayakers are, are following this gray whale. And we're just doing our slow trolling thing. And we are impressed on seeing this creature so far away and, and what it's doing. And then it comes out of the water for a third time. But we are, what we are noticing is that each time it comes out of the water or breaches, it's getting closer to us. Mm-hmm. And we're slow trolling, it comes out of the water for a fourth time, and it's even closer to us. It comes out of the water for a fifth time, and now it's pretty darn close. We can see the whites of its eyes when it's coming out of the water. And, and James, you're going, you know, we, we better do something here, get out of this trolling pattern, because now this gray well is coming right towards us. We are... We aren't in an intersecting path with us. It was like it had a bead on us. Yeah. And, you know, and <laughs> and then finally, what it does is this thing comes out of the water. And Jim, how far was that away from us? I don't think it was. I don't think it was any less than about forty feet. Yeah, it might have been fifty at the most. So yeah, yeah it just made close. sense to go over where it came down because. 
but just judging by where it was going to next, we didn't want to be there. No, <laughs> good idea to get out of the way. They've landed on more than one boat. Oh, by Stan, being there at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Stan, Wendy, the uh, guest, this thing came out of the water, and it was like a, it was like a giant redwood, and it splashed directly at us, flapping uh, its its pectoral fins or whatever the the fins are on the side. Uh, we could see the bubbles coming on up, and Jim did the right thing. He took the point of the boat and pointed it to where the whale had been, mm-hmm. to where when we got to it, there were still bubbles coming on up. There was uh, uh, white water everywhere, and that well continued its path until it was out of sight, just breaching out of the water, and it was heading towards the southwest. It was absolutely wow. For me, the closest encounter I'd ever had, but one of the most awesome sights oh, yeah. you would ever want to see, Jim. You know, uh, you know, we, we go out there for the fishing, but sometimes the uh, side benefits we have oh, yeah. going out with you, there's just no way uh, you John, could ever that was, repeat that. That is exactly what, you know, what I said to, when we began the, the fish report. I go, that you know, going out on that, five-day excursion, even Wendy's two-day, and now your your deal with James here is the blue planet. You know, you're, you oh, yeah. people watch this on TV and think, you know, that's pretty spectacular. When, you're, when it's available to you to go out and see it in person, it is a whole new ball game. Yeah. So what's out there and available for people to go out and experience now, right now, you know, during the next, you got a few months left of this, uh, and hopefully it'll continue through next year. We we may have this same push of water that's got that same kind of an influence, but to be able to see nature at its best and finest, I mean, we had gin clear water. We could see all of the, when you get a blue marlin right under the boat on a kelp patty that's 400 pounds, and then you've got hammerheads the same size, the molas that are bigger than those two. I mean, it was it's just nothing but fun. So it, I can't say anything other than that, you know, other than the pucker factor must have been a little tall when it came out of the water that close to your boat. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, but it just, when you think about it, the, we live in the most amazing place. I was thinking, you know, last night I was here in the shop till 7, 7.30, getting things together uh, uh, because we're, we're having the, uh, the driveway repaved and we're going on a fishing trip and getting ready for the, the trip with you, Jim. And the next thing you know, you get a little sleep. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. The sun's rising. You're, you're heading on out to the fishing grounds. You start baiting on up. And the next thing you know, Jim had us on yellowtail. He had us on bonita. He had us on calico bass. He had us on seals. We get this tremendous show. And we, we come back into the bay, and uh, we come back here to Angler's Arsenal, and here we all are doing Rod Wheel Radio, and we're getting ready to do it again tomorrow. Right. I, what a fantastic summer this is. Ah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Wow. So, Jim, uh, I want to thank you for a great trip. And, uh, you know, the thing that I think most impressed us, or impressed me, was the abundance of life that there was uh, that you could meter up and how we could see the patterns of the fish as the seals came along all the fish would dive down into the kelp and you could see this on the meter and the seal would would come to our boat 
and then it go over to the kayakers, and then it go over to the to the other boats, and then all of a sudden all the fish would come up, and we try to get our baits in the water, and we get bit. We sometimes we had triple uh, yellowtail on, and then all of a sudden the seal would come over and see what's happening. All the fish would dive back down to the kelp, and it was up and down, up and down, up and down the entire day. But, but they're cute. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting yeah. it, uh, Tom. Jim, I got to thank you for that, and you know. Uh, for a guy that's sitting behind the counter of the tackle shop six days a week, uh, that was pretty big stuff. I know you see it all the time. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an ever-changing. Every day is different, you know, and that's just that's the beauty of it. That's the fun part. You know, well, it's, it's, it's it is a gig that I can't phone in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and the deal is, and this is kind of an unusual thing because obviously, you go out on a sports fishing boat and you have your own experience, but th- that's one of the things with giving you a, a call and having, uh, you know, a couple, three of your friends on the water and being able to be out there and be that mobile and to see all that stuff. It's just uh, a- an extra special treat. Yeah, you know, we try. Let's try, try to give you something, you know. If the fish are biting, great. If not, let's tell a bad joke or watch a whale for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How sandwich walk a whale dive right next to your boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, so, Jim, uh, uh, tell us, uh, you know, we, you've been going on out to the cup. Tell us uh, about some of the other fishing that's been happening that you've been getting involved with this week. You know that's that's been it as far as the uh, the whole offshore scene, and that that's something that uh, you know is hit and miss a lot of times. It's all about finding that magic seaweed, and there are plenty of magic ones out there. So if you get out there and you start looking for them, and you get to that fifth one, don't get discouraged. There's there's kelp out there that is holding fish. Keep at it, or come on into the kelp beds. You know there's life there. Some big yellows as well as some um, mid-sized yellows. There's some bonita. Some of those bonita we got today pretty good size but you've seen there's even bigger ones out there too so there's it's just it's a wonderful time to be in san diego right. it's even more wonderful time if you get out there on the water and, and enjoy it whether you come with me or one of the great uh, the bigger sport fishing boats a buddy's boat your boat whatever just get out there jump on a kayak and start paddling <laughs> well, you know, the, yeah really the, the real experience is just how well, those fish pull. I cannot believe the uh, the one yellowtail, and you were kind enough to post a picture of me on uh, Facebook with that one yellowtail. <laughs> it, it was maybe maybe a 20-pound fish, but it had unbelievable power. And then I do the typical thing that I could do is I like going out there with my light gear. But, boy, if you have ever... Believed in a kelp cutter rig, which is a rig that has the braid on it with a very, very short liter of fluorocarbon. That was the place to use it because if it wasn't for that kelp cutter rig, I would have been like, uh, uh, you know, Pat was a couple of times, had beautiful fish on, and it'd take them right into the kelp, and you lost that experience. So that kelp cutter rig was good. Jim, I uh, appreciate uh, you uh, suggesting that because it, it, it saved that big fish that I had. Oh, yeah, you know, and that's that's something that you just got to get out and learn and unfortunately experience the heartbreak of not having that, what happens when those fish get off. And, well, Jim. So it's always nice when you're ready to go for them. You know, uh, we've talked about going out, and this is, you're still going to have, I think, many, many weeks of this tremendous fishing as long as the weather stays good, the swells don't come on up. We had... 
uh, near perfect conditions today. People want to book a trip with you to go out and maybe take advantage of some of this tremendous inshore fishing or right along our coastal fishing, or even to go out on a freshwater trip because you do also do uh, Otai and uh, El Capitan. How's the best way to go about uh, doing this? Well, you can always reach me online at thefishicon.com or give me a call, 619-395-0799. Well, Jim, I, again, I want to thank you. You have three people on the boat uh, today. I was one of them. But just the experience that we had, not only fishing, but seeing uh, uh, the wildlife out there was uh, just incredible and something we'll remember for a long time. And you know what? I want to go out there and do it again. Absolutely, John. Be All right. More than happy to get you out there, and, and you're going to have a great trip tomorrow, so enjoy it. I'll be uh, thinking about you. All right. Captain James Elson, the fish icon, thanks a lot for that report. Hey, guys, it's time to take a break right now. We've got Wendy Toshahara with us, Stan Vandenberg. We also have Tom Gatch from About.com. We're going to talk more about fishing, and then in the second hour at the end of the show, uh, we're going to jump off live a little bit early because I had the opportunity to go to the One Bass U.S. Open on Lake Mead, did some recordings, had a chance to talk to some of the movers and shakers of the tournament. So we're going to break off live for that recorded segment, but we'll be on still for another half hour live with more Ron Real Radio to come. So stay tuned. we got to take a break right now, but we'll be back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. 
I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. In Southern California, welcome back to the second hour of Rod Real Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and with me are my illustrious co-hosts, Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshahar. Our special guest tonight is Tom Gatch from About.com, and uh, I've asked Tom to come about because... You know, we've heard about the fishing up up the north. Stan said they went as far as, Stan, was it Santa Barbara Island that you went to catch fish? Okay. And then uh, all the way down, going all the way down to San Clemente. And, Tom, you specialize in fishing along the uh, the Baja Coast, not only well, you specialize. That's what I've known you for. Yeah. You talk about fishing all over the right. world. But since you live down there, oh, yeah. I think that's a particular love for you. Well, it is. It is. And that's the thing that got, that got us down in the first place is being able to go down there. And I always used to, <laughs> years ago, I started saying uh, Baja reminded me of being like Southern California on steroids because you'd be able to go down and get everything, you know, as far as fishing offshore, inshore, everything the further down you went was very similar, and you could go pretty much down, what, uh, maybe a little bit below Bahia Asuncion, and you're going to have pretty much the same kind of fishing. The only thing is, is around, uh, once you get around to Bahia Vizcaino, uh, just north of Cedros, you start to lose the rockfish, <clears throat> you know, the deep water rockfish yes. that we have, because they mainly come down from the Aleutian Islands all the way down to that point, but then down there, you know, you don't get those. But aside from that, you then you start moving in with the grouper, the uh, the cabrillas, the pargos, and of course you always will still get the white sea bass. And one of the nice things is in the warmer years, especially this time of year, you start to usually see runs at various times of white sea bass. Now they they started to have a little of that earlier in San Quentin this year, and then all of a sudden it kind of dried up. It, it was about like a couple weeks early. They in fact when I talked to you last, they were just starting to pick up some nice white sea bass down there, and I was predicting that they were going to burst wide open in there, but. Uh, when we went down there a couple of weeks ago, it was not a lot of action for the white sea bass. Great yellowtail fishing, great yellowtail fishing, and good tuna fishing offshore. But that, now, yeah. Tom, a question, and you know, we've been talking about the uh, the west coast of the Baja Peninsula, but just quickly, when you get into the Sea of Cortez, is this El Nino push also going up the Sea of Cortez, and how's that affecting the fishing, like with Tony Reyes, where they go out of yeah. San Felipe and go to the Midriff Islands? You know, uh, to be honest with you, I think since the water, when you get up north of, uh, you know, you've got tropical waters that's down below the the, the, uh, Tropic of Cancer. But as you go up further, the water tends to be a little warmer anyway because it's kind of like, you know, the Ray Cannon, the big fish trap thing. You know, it's its own peppered little area. However, when you're talking about the impact of El Nino, what I see 
more than anything else is not so much in the northern climb of the Sea of Cortez that you're talking about as I see down near the tip where you've got, like, just inside, like, John's Place down at, uh, you know, Rancho Leonero yeah. and the area down there. Uh, you're, you're, you're finding now they've been lucky to dodge it a little bit this year. But, you know, they've always talked about when we were growing up, Chubasco season was always something we thought about. Yeah, so with this El Nino, when you have this greater preponderance of, of, of activity with hurricanes, tropical storms, and stuff like that, the area that's going to probably be impacted most is going to be closer to the tip of Baja there in the Sea Cortez. Once you start getting past the midriff, which is, you know, right the uh, right around Bahia de Los Angeles and all the islands there, once you get north of that, I don't know if that couple degrees is, is going to translate into that much different activity. Um, I do know, though, that they do have a very concerted effort right now with people who are doing commercial fishing up there, uh, the, the small porpoise that they have up there, the vaquita, the... Um, is being is protected, and of course they're still trying to ride rain on. You know the the Tutuava population will never be the way it was when we were growing up, but they are rebounding somewhat, and it's kind of hard to keep the commercial guys off that. But there's sure. a lot of there's a lot of activity up there. People trying to keep people honest as far as the you know taking a fish, and and, and the shrimping and whatnot, just to make sure that you don't totally destroy the resource. But as far as the impact of El Nino, I think. Probably the biggest thing in the Sea of Cortez is going to be down near the area between, probably between, oh, maybe uh, Laredo, Mulahe, all the way south down, you know, to Cabo and everything. Because that's the part that really gets impacted when these things start spinning up from further down the coast. But the good news for all of us on the Pacific coast is if you look at any Doppler map, of any of these things, they're just doing this little counterclockwise spin, and you can almost see the fish being pushed up every time that thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe it's a little imagination there, but yeah, I didn't think about it. You can see a Doppler. Every time I see that thing spin that way, I go, okay, more fish, more fish, and they are coming. It just, it just seems to be that way. Oh, yeah. from what we're seeing some aerial uh, photography uh, and a lot of the YouTube videos, and, and Stan and Wendy, you were probably like that, uh, you probably got Wendy. You probably got into a situation. I'm sure it sounds like that the yellowfin tuna were almost swarming like bees. <laughs> yes, they were. It was amazing. They were zipping all over the place. Uh, the skipjack also. I mean, it was just amazing to see how many there were. Wow! And you know, it'll be an amazing thing. It just it'll be interesting. Not. Amazing! It'll be. We'll have to see what happens here, as we reach you know the end of October and the long range boats start to go down below. Uh, they're kind of tapping into that Alejos where you know one of the boats got 160 uh, wahoo the other day. Wow! Um, the, the fish we haven't seen a lot of that you know going down further because of the activity of the hurricanes and actually you know the boats that can go down. Uh, or the yachts, even their hurricane season doesn't end for insurance purposes until uh, November 1st. Now, it used to be October 1st, but they pushed it back a month, a month the last few years because we have the hurricanes all the way up until um, the end of October. This year will be interesting to see where that big fish shows up. Will it be outside of Mag Bay again on the lower banks? Um, we are targeting, we, my trip is usually the second week that we go out, uh, the second week of November, so there's been boats down below already that we can target that, that bigger fish once we get down there. But it will be an interesting year to see how this plays out. It's surely got all kinds of opportunities, you know, for the 
you don't need to go long range. You just need to go offshore here. That's right. Man, now, Stan, you guys decided to go down to uh, San Martin uh, to catch Wahoo. What, uh, what led you to go on down there? Well, we were, we were kicking it around, and some of the boats had seen uh, or gotten at least bit uh, by, you know, a bunch of the guys had Wahoo on. They said that he got five or six guys, half a dozen. They got, you know, bit off or they got banked, and, and they go, yeah, we had five or six on, and we lost all of them. I'm going, well, and I told our group of guys, I go, I'm going to give you the opportunity. We bought, brought enough stuff and uh, enough wire and, and uh, kinky, not too kinky, uh, 50 pound we could tie we can actually tie uh that stuff and that old tiger wire comes into play nowadays too i think uh, wendy knows about that uh, yeah the tiger leader yeah the tiger leader you can utilize that and tie a bait on make a cast and then you know with a piece of iron and um and if they you do get bit you got a shot at actually getting your fish it doesn't stretch it's titanium you can tie a knot uh, that type of thing really comes into play for the guys that are coming offshore here where you're not really ready for it, but if you can wire up a bait and throw it, man, that gets you down the road. So it's been just fun to watch. Uh, when we heard that there one boat had lost a half a dozen of them, <laughs> the comment was in our boat, let's see if we can go get them. Uh, let's find those same six fish. But when you find the right kelp, you'll find that you, if you land five, you had 25 bites. Um uh, you just don't, they, they'll bite off the bait, they'll clip off a, a lure, you know, and you know, like uh, Merritt, got cl- he got hooed. It just happens. So you, <laughs> like get, you get hooed. <laughs> well, you know, Tom, with this tremendous bite that we're having in the Southern California area yeah. and then even going into the Santa Barbara Channel area and north, what is happening to the uh, the sports fishing industry south of the border, the Pongadero stuff, uh, Castro's camp? Are they seeing a, a little letdown in the number of U.S. fishermen coming there because the fishing is so good that you don't have to go down necessarily to Mexico? Or is it still strong down there because besides the fishing, you also have the total experience and yeah. being enveloped by a yeah. different culture, which yeah. which we all love. And that is that. That's really one of the things I'd point out too. Is it's true. You can now you have the event. If all you're looking for is basically the opportunity to get offshore and catch some of those fish, the different species that you'd like to normally pick up down south, you can do that now. But there's nothing like being able to come in, especially now because we're in the lobster season down there. We still have a little while to wait up here. Yeah. But we're already. You can go. You can now. You can come down there. You can go fishing on a ponga all day. You have the option of getting some really nice rockfish or possibly a, a yellowtail or some beautiful calico bass. We've had some of the best calico bass fishing this last year and tight to the rock stuff too where you're throwing the plastics right up there and you're, sometimes nothing's more exhilarating than seeing one of those big checkerboards coming out from underneath a rock and just swallowing that thing up and giving you a tussle. Uh, there's been a lot of that so just come on in from that and then guess what? You can have a nice cold margarita and a nice lobster. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't imagine what the fishing will be at Aubrey Ojos this year. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, that has just got to be off the hook yeah. good. There's so much, so many high spots and rock piles you can get, you know, the calico bass, the sand bass. The, I mean, Sierra, the, anything could be in there, in that arena, and that's yeah. got such diversity. Just yeah. like you're saying, you know, you there's... We have an opportunity this year to, to see things that we haven't seen for a long, long time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Tom, we're anticipating that with the lobster season opens here, which is the uh, 
you know, the first week, week of, of October, October yeah. with the warm water that we're seeing, it might be an incredible season. Do you have any any uh, feeling for with the opening of the lobster season already in Mexico, how it's going? Well, um, I don't because, you know, the difference between our, our lobster guru, buddy, Bobby Arms, and his sporting with all the people who like to go out in the bays around here in Southern California – Unfortunately, in Baja California and in Mexico, they do not have recreational lobster fishing. There is no no hoop netting for lobster, at least not legally. And uh, so, you know, as far as the uh, the take so far by the local guys, it's only been just about maybe a week or so that it's been open, if, if that. And I'm sure that they'll do good. It's probably going to take me a couple more weeks before I start to see, you know, in the local markets and especially the guys coming around. That's when you really know. And you're having a good uh, a good season. You see the guys coming around different places. They drive around sometimes the homes and stuff. Say, langostas, langostas. You know? Well, when, when everyone thinks about going for lobster down in Baja, yeah. Puerto Nuevo is the place. Is Puerto Nuevo still the place, or are there other good places now that are comparable? And I I don't want you to be slamming anybody or anything like that, but are there places now that are great to go for lobster dinners that equal what Puerto Nuevo used to be known for? Well, sir, John, the fact that you asked me this, it's great that you did. Um, You know, Puerto Nuevo, I remember it back from the old days, you know, early 60s and whatnot, you go down there and you get some fantastic deals, little homes, private. You got this more of a, a really nice colloquial uh, feeling. Now, since everybody got so uh, overly commercial, you start to go into Puerto Nuevo, you see the build-up restaurants and whatnot. And, everybody's, and, and believe me, when you have lobster season here in Puerto Nuevo, yeah, you will have, um, you know, you will have some good lobster. However, having said that, my personal favorite, and the favorite of a lot of our friends, my wife and I, friends that we bring down, other people that we know, um, there's a restaurant called Splash that used to be, it's right below, it's right before you get to the halfway house, and you know that you're getting close when you uh, see a, a sign for Quinza Lechera, it's the old, the old dairy, and right after that, there's an off-ramp, and you can get off right there before you get to the, the, the halfway house. Uh, Splash used to be right off that, and you could see that sign. But now, after so many years of being so popular, they've moved up the road just a little bit south, and you can see them. It's like a two-story turquoise restaurant. You get off there and go there. Splash. Um, not only will you get the freshest of lobster, but one of the things that they have this time of year, they also have mero, which is black sea bass. And, of course, as you oh. know, it is protected up in the United States, yes. but not so in the Republic of Mexico. And uh, uh, we get marrow this time of year. I can tell you we had some uh, several months ago that we had a big one that Yvonne Villarino had gotten a hold of that was uh, about 54 pounds or so. And it was some of the finest eating fish. And they have that at Splash. So I would say if you want to go to Puerto Nuevo, by all means go there. If you have people who are from out of the area, you want to have the pictures of the local culture in this net. But if you're going to go to just you want to go to a good restaurant that has the good seafood and also great lobster this time of year, just go down to Splash. Get off there. You'll look a little bit further south, about maybe 200 yards. It's a turquoise, two-story little restaurant. And don't be surprised if you see a lot of cars parked there because it's very popular.
Wow. You know, speak, speaking of lobster, it, all, you, all of these guys, October 1st is coming pretty quick for our local lobster scene oh, here. Yeah. If I were you guys, I'd go down to the docks and see how many guys don't want those skipjacks that they're, trying, that <laughs> they're getting that day because that is a lobster's yeah. favorite meal. Yeah, that's shrewd. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, Stan, I did keep the bonito that we uh, uh, caught today, so... and. Uh, I think it, it it's going to be reused for a more uh, a valiant effort to, to maybe go out oh, and get some bugs. Wait a minute. No, you got to eat the fillets and use the carcass because that makes them really good pokey. There we go. You know oh, what? Pokey. you got to yeah. give us your pokey recipe yeah, next week. Okay. <laughs> well, Ron Real Radio has talked in, now uh, turned into a cooking and uh, restaurant guide show. So... Uh, <laughs> We cover all aspects, hey, but we've got to take a break right now. Stan Vandenberg, Woody Toshihara is with us. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. And you've also been hearing from a good friend of mine for a long time, Tom Gatch from About.com. If you go to About.com and you ask any question on saltwater fishing, saltwater fishing the answer comes from Tom Gatch. So, gotcha. so you, you know... He's well-rounded, not only in Baja, but literally fishing all over the world. Hey, let's take a break right now. We'll be back right after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six-ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshahar. Special guest tonight is Tom Gatch from About.com. We've been talking a little bit about fishing Baja and eating lobsters and doing things like that. And after this segment, we're going to have a special report from the One Bass U.S. Open. And, Stan, I know that you probably have heard since uh, you came back from your trip a lot from a lot of the fellows that, uh, from Southern California that fished over there at Lake Mead this uh, past week. <laughs> the weather changing on them, which is, <laughs> it, which is uh, always a, a factor. That's the, the one great thing about fishing Lake Mead, because it is the great equalizer of men. But you throw the weather change in there when everybody's fishing in nice weather and, you know, wind you can count on and they... They bite on the wind. They're pretty doggone good, and you kind of plan your your old uh, three days of, of tournament fishing around what you pre-fished for, and then all of a sudden we get this south uh, swell that comes in and pushes all this moisture in, and they get wind and waves and, and wet <laughs> while they're fishing. Uh, that changes everything. Well, my kudos to, to Roy Hawk. He's a client and a friend here, but um, what a great season he's had too uh, and his son man is this a good family there man they are and uh, we're gonna we were lucky enough i'm just gonna tease this a little bit we've got uh, uh i've got two interviews with roy hawk one from day two and then one as he was walking off the stage as he was announced to be the winner clayton myers he was on the hot seat for a long time and Roy was the last guy to, to beat him on out. We have Clayton Myers with us. San Diego fishermen, there were four San Diego fishermen that finished in the top ten. The Young Guns over there, uh, Marco Finelli, uh, Clayton Belden, uh, uh, Tom uh, Leadham, and Wade Strelick. And I've got uh, uh, Clayton Belden. It worked out that he was in the hot seat uh, for a little while. Sean Bailey had the big fish of the tournament. We've got an interview with him. We've got... Interviews with a couple of guys that had big bags. And then I also got a, an interview with Rich Tauber. And Rich Tauber is one of the last remaining fellas that has fished all 33 of these past events. So we're going to have that after this segment. But let me just get back real quickly to, to Tom Gatch. Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about About.com. How do people 
get to about or get to you to be able to ask their qu- fishing question. Well, if if you like, all you, if, if you want to go through the web page, it's really easy. Just go to the landing page. You just enter into Google or in, in your favorite browser uh, about.com saltwater fishing. And that'll take you directly to the landing page, and you'll see a whole array of different fishing topics. I, I add another couple every week. And, and we cover, as I say, everything around the world, things you can't uh, probably have never had contact with before but might have been curious about in the past, like uh, maybe fly fishing for bonefish at, at, at Christmas Island or, or maybe going over to some other area that's not a normally traveled to area, but it still has fantastic area. Like fish, the, the Seychelles is one of the things that comes to mind. It's a rather exotic locale off the coast of Africa, but boy, it's got some really good, uh, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, fishing for things like wahoo, uh, king mackerel, a whole variety of, of surface species, good predators. Um, the thing is that what you need to do if you want to ask a question, just go to that page, and you can. Uh, there's a there's a, a link to an, an email for me an email address it's livingbaha at gmail dot com and just send me a an email and ask uh, any question you like I can help you out with just about anything uh, that you have uh, and I, if not if I don't know the answer I'll research it for you and, and find out for you because it's always a learning experience and something we want to want to find out the more we can find out about fishing different areas and uh, one of the things that you find over time is that a lot of uh, techniques are are, are cross uh, applicational to uh, a lot of various species anywhere in the world you just have to uh, first understand the fact that all fish have to eat and uh, Various ones have different ways of doing that, and you try to hone in on how to do that best, and it's really surprising what you run into. There's uh, things around the world that we as anglers have more in common than we have in difference, and I think it stands as a good idea maybe that we can all kind of get together every time we can and try to work for our common goal as anglers because, um, as we know, that uh, it's not always real popular with people right now, but, but... I honestly believe that if you can put a fishing pole in a kid's hand in an early age, you've got a, a good step towards a, a very productive and, and uh, very uh, thoughtful individual that you might not have if you just had them, you know, sitting in front of a television or maybe texting to their favorite uh, uh, their favorite entity. Well, you know, Tom, uh, I think the Baja, especially accessible by uh, uh, vehicles from uh, California yeah. or Arizona, the Mexican government has made a lot of exotic places a lot more accessible by car. And we, we all know how mobile Southern California is. And not only on the West Coast, but also the effort that they made to extend Highway 1 down from San Felipe. And I, San Felipe, and I, I think, isn't it almost all the way connected now? Going all the way south. Well, we're going. To, yeah, it goes down through you know San Felipe, past Percibu, um, Puertocitos, um, down you know, and uh, below there, uh, you've got uh, uh, down. Uh, it's not quite all the way down to like Punta Final and that area and Calamaway, which is just of course above you know the midriff. But they're getting there. They're, they're working getting on there. it. And and the fact is is that that you you do pretty much have to go down um, the old way through San Felipe. Um, at some someday, I'm hoping. That right across when you get south of, uh, uh, you know, of El Rosario and that area, all of a sudden you come upon Lake Chapala before you're going down all the way to San, um, to uh, L.A. Bay. And I'm hoping someday that they might make a nice little road that will take you right there. You can go to either Calmway or go up to uh, Punta Final or all the way up to uh, Gonzaga Bay and, and, and that way because that would give people other avenues of access. But as it is, 
it's really nice to have a nice road because those of us who remember years and years ago of driving down from San Felipe, it's uh, you know it's just uh, it's a whole different world now, and it's really good. It's it's a wonderful place to go. The islands down there off Partidos Encantadas, you can uh, drive down there with your own private craft, and uh, you can go out there and troll around. You'd be surprised what you get. Maybe a grouper, maybe yellowtail, white sea bass. Who knows? Maybe well, even one of those round uh, round tailed white sea bass. But you have to let yeah. those go. Yeah. <laughs> hey Tom, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, uh, even as we speak, we've got guys coming in and out because we're all getting ready to hop aboard the uh, the Sea Adventure Two for uh, our uh, our trip tonight. And, uh, uh, I hope that we have the opportunity, Stan and Wendy, to have as good a luck out there. Even though it's an overnight, I think we're looking forward to it being a, a sensational trip. Well, you know, they were sharing information, of course, Chuck and his other boats. So you guys will be on them, no problem. Yeah. You know, Stan, fun, John. it never ceases to amaze me the uh, intuitive knowledge that Bobby Taft has and Chuck Taft has, and then when they get their heads together, how those guys can go out and find fish and it just makes something out of what appears to be nothing. Now, as a tournament guy, there are, there are people that you fish against on a regular basis in any tournament circuit that... There are some that are more fishy than others on a regular basis, um, and that holds true with any organization of fishermen. I think that there are guys that that run boats that are just fishier and have that intuition and, you know, let's go over here and do this. And, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. We're going to get away from them. I'm going to go do this and find them again, and they do. And I think the Taft brothers work hand-in-hand hand to make that, that work all the time. All right. Yeah. Hey, well, guys, that brings to a conclusion the live portion of Rod Reel Radio tonight. I want to thank you very much, uh, Tom Gatch from About.com for being with us. And I still have a million questions to ask. Can you come on back? Sure. We'll talk again, even if I have to do it uh, over the telephone from Baja. All right. Absolutely. And Stan and Wendy, you have yourself a great week. We look forward to speaking to you next week. Uh, I, you know, just uh, keep up the good work and... uh, and keep up with that fishing information because, boy, you guys had some great stories tonight. Thanks a lot, guys. That was easy. I'm, I've talked enough about it. I'm going to go to the sushi bar and eat it now. There you go. <laughs> we're going to catch some. <laughs> okay, we're going to break a little bit early, but coming up next, we're going to have a, a report from the U.S. Open at Lake Mead in Las Vegas. A series of interviews that uh, we did when I was there on Wednesday or Tuesday, so... Stay tuned. More Rod and Reel Radio to come from Lake Mead, Nevada. We're going to take a break right now. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. 
1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure Two online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. Hey, and welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. You know, uh, last week I had the opportunity to travel to uh, Lake Mead, Nevada for the 33rd edition of the U.S. Open. Now, in the pre-fish, as Stan had said earlier, grease, calm conditions, beautiful weather. But start tournament day last Monday, boy, did the wind and the bad weather come up. Linda was pushing through the southwest over here and hit Lake Mead with a vengeance. But the 168 teams that were fishing there still went out and fished this prestigious event. Had an opportunity to get together with some of the fishermen that did really well in the event. I've got to apologize, and some of the time, some of the audio is not that great because... I was getting guys as they were coming off the stage or doing interviews with them when it was blowing, raining, 25-mile-an-hour winds. But I think you're going to find the, uh, the insight interesting, informative, and, again, Rod and Reel Radio wants to give congratulations to the winner of the 2015 U.S. Open Roy Hawk. We got a chance to speak with him a couple of times and a few of the other guys. So here are those interviews. You guys have a great night, and we'll be with you again next week. So from Blake to me, JR, start rolling it. All right, we're here at the second day at Lake Mead, and we are speaking with Roy Hawk from Lake Havasu, Arizona. And Roy, I tell you, you know, Fishing is typical Lake Mead, but this weather has really come up to bite us. Oh, yeah, it has. You know, we had great weather in practice and uh, absolutely typical, you know, late summer type fishing, you know, hot and uh, 
you know, just good all-around fishing. Then we had a storm blow through. Now we got wind and rain and all kinds of stuff. So totally different, totally different program. Um, but there's still fish biting, thank goodness. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to wind coming from Lake Havasu, you're used to it, though. I mean, do you think you really have an advantage over a lot of these fishermen when it does come to fishing in the wind? Uh, a little bit, just because I, I guess I know how to handle wind pretty good. And then, you know, I, I just take it easy. You know, I try not to break my stuff and, uh, you know, get there in one piece and get back in one piece and still have equipment that works. So, Well, you're leading the, the tournament halfway through the way in for the first day uh, What's been working well for you? And i got to realize this is going to be airing Sunday. So uh, can you give us an idea of what's been working for you? Oh, sure. Yeah, Uh, mainly reaction baits. I mean, 95% of all the fish we've caught have been on reaction baits, either uh, topwater or crankbait or, uh, you know, that type of thing. A couple on a spinnerbait, but... You know, we... uh, uh you know, the lake level has been actually fairly stable for the past uh, few months. Has that... Has that worked to make for better fishing or what? Oh, absolutely. We got really lucky with that deal, and uh, I think it helped keep some fish in my range at least. I didn't have to go to 30 foot and try and dig them out, you know. Well, tomorrow the forecast is for a little bit better weather. You're going to just try and go out and do the same thing, or are you going to venture out and do something else? I'll have, I'll have uh, you know, a plan B for sure ready to go. And uh, But, yeah, I'll try and stick with plan A. It's what I do the best. It's where I feel the most comfortable. Um, but... Again, I'm not I'm not uh, gonna die doing it. All right, and Roy, uh, the sponsors that helped get you here because boy, your gear was really taxed for the past two days. It's good to have good gear, good sponsors. Who Absolutely. are the guys that are helping you out? Well, the biggest one is Anderson Toyota down there in Lake Havasu. Awesome dealership, great service. Um, I can't say enough, you know, for what they've done for me, and especially this year, man, they've been a true blessing to be a part of their group. Um, Dual Realis baits. I've been catching a lot of my reaction fish on their stuff. Um, great topwaters, great crankbaits. Uh, thank you, man. And uh, Gary Elmo Moto Plastics, they're they're real key, too. I, I've caught a couple jig fish, but most of my stuff I'm catching on treble hooks. So I haven't been using their stuff a ton, but I may get into it tomorrow. <laughs> and obviously, Ranger Boats, man, you can't go out here with great equipment. Oh, yeah. that's It's it's a blessing to be in a Ranger, especially when you got rough water like this. It handles the, the water so good, and it, and it stays in one piece. All right. Well, Roy Hawk, a great uh, second day of fishing. Let's hope it continues, and you'll be in that hot seat tomorrow. And Maybe get out there and get the big check. Thanks for spending some time with us. You bet. Thank you. We're at the third day of the U.S. Open, and the weigh-ins are starting to come in. And first guy to run into, this fella has fished every U.S. Open since the beginning, Mr. Rich Tauber. Rich, great to go. Thank you. I'm just really glad to be here, John. I mean, you know, 1981 to uh, 2015, I don't take anything for granted. Uh, you know, hey, good Lord willing, I'm here and healthy and can fish, and uh, really happy about it. And I uh, had a great time this week and uh, caught a lot of fish, so it was a lot of fun. You've uh, you've been here long enough that you've seen all faces of Lake Mead. What, yeah. what do you think some of the bigger changes are in Lake Mead, obvious, uh, beside the obvious water level? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, because I actually told my partner today, John, that I was actually fishing a smallmouth tournament today. Yeah. You know, where when you and I were fishing back in the 80s and 90s, it was a largemouth thing. We were 1,000% focused on large. There were no smallmouth to catch. Now, 
almost every single fish I caught this week was a smallmouth bass. My partner and I, uh, you're fishing smallmouth techniques. Now, the fun part was we caught them on top water. We caught them with a spook, caught them with spinnerbait. So it's like the old opens, but different fish. We're, we're fishing for smallmouth bass in the U.S. Open. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that's, I the, that's the biggest. And, and, and Paul, I'll tell you, any of the guys that... You know, we didn't think that way when we fished the U.S. Open up until maybe two years ago, where my whole focus, I don't even, if I got a largemouth, I was shocked, you know, so that's the biggest well, difference. There was a time when you'd bring in a smallmouth and they'd destroy them. They oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Went, didn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. And now you're you're completely focused. You're generating, you're trying to catch your big fish, be maybe a three-pound smallmouth, you're now, listen, it could come around and be a largemouth lake again, but I'll tell you, this week, the U.S. Open was a smallmouth bass tournament. Well, you know, a lot of people are saying with this wind and the conditions we had, a lot of reaction baits. Did you find it that way? Yeah, I caught everything on a spinnerbait and a spook. Um, and uh, I stumbled around the first day, and really, and then the last two days I really caught them good. So, um, you know, it was one of those kind of weeks. But it, that's the way it always is. You know, if you can have three perfect days, you're in the top ten. And my stumbling part was I only caught five pounds the first day. But that's still a pretty good catch, but uh, but not exactly what I wanted, you know. And then I had two nice bags the last two days, so, uh, you know, I, I congratulate the winners. They did a great job, and, and I'm sure he'll tell you that, uh, for the most part, most of the guys, you know, caught their fish were, were smallmouth bass. Yeah, and uh, on reaction baits, but what a great tradition the U.S. Open is, the 33rd edition. You're here to see it. You're going to be here for the 34th, too, I think. Yes, I will. I'll be here as long as they can. They'll roll me up here. You know what I'm saying? In a shopping cart. Follow me? (laughs) Probably after yesterday, you felt like you almost had to with the conditions you were fishing in. Yeah, it was really rough and a lot of wind. But you know what? That's what makes it so much fun. It's so challenging. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh, It's supposed to be the most difficult tournament in the world. It is, without question. Uh, it's the only tournament where you absolutely don't even really think about culling that much. You just really want to get to the five number. Yeah, yeah you that's know? it. And then if you can get there, then everything else is just like gravy that day. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I tell, I always tell everybody, if you ever get a chance, fish the U.S. Open. It's it's a, something that you'll remember the rest of your life. All right, Rich Tauber fishing his 33rd U.S. Open. Rich, thanks for being Thank with you. us. Thank you Good so luck. much. We'll be talking to you later Thank on. You. Thank you, John. Okay, we're here again, uh, third day of uh, the U.S. Open. We're running to Sean Billy from Lake Havasu. And, Sean, you just brought in a toad for today. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was a fun day. You needed a few like that. Well, it's been a fun tournament, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a tough tournament for me. Um, you know, this thing, I only fish it to win it, so I don't really play around with a worm or anything too much. So, you know, I just uh, I struggled the first two days getting big ones. Uh, ran across a few big ones today. Saw two really giant ones. And I uh, caught that 456. So. Uh, were they all on reaction baits or what? I caught that big one on a jig. No kidding. Yep. Well, I've heard of very few jig fish. Everyone seems to be going reaction bait with the way this wind is. Yeah, no, I caught them in, I caught them in practice really good on a jig, and uh, then it kind of died, and I kind of got messed up with the weather switching. and So I fished reaction baits the first couple of days, and then today, you know, I had nothing to lose, so I went back to my jig and got busted out a big one. Well, what... What's the attraction to Lake Mead that people just seem to have to come back here? They hate it, but they love it. Uh, it's the adversity, you know, like uh, all of practice for five days, there wasn't a breath of wind. It was sheet glass. Um, and then, of course, tournament time comes around, and it blows 40 miles an hour, rains and sleets and, or whatever it did, and uh, completely changes all of practice, and I basically had to start from scratch. So I shouldn't even have came up and practiced. So that uh, fish you caught today, that was the jig fish. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I caught it over in the jips. Uh, I, I had found a, a spot that I actually caught a big soft shell turtle on, no. uh, on a jig, and then uh, saw a bunch of bass swimming around there. So today I'm like, yeah, I might as well go fish the turtle spot. So I pulled up and hooked that fish, and I'm like, oh, please don't be that turtle again. Oh, Nate. Well, Sean Bailey, congratulations. Great having you. We look forward to speaking to you in Lake Havasu, and thanks for uh, spending time with us on Rod Reel Radio. Thanks, man. Have a great day. All Appreciate right. it, John. Thanks a lot. All right, here we get, are again at third day of the U.S. Open weigh-in, and one of the biggest bags of the day comes in from Jeff Martineau. Jeff, you know, Monday was a good day. Tuesday, your Achilles heel. You come back, though, with a vengeance yeah. on Wednesday. What, what was different? Typical Lake Mead, you know, one day good, next day not so good. you got to switch it up every day. Um, you know, yesterday I kind of made the wrong decision leaving some water that I knew had fish, and um, turns out that wasn't the right call, but I stayed on that stuff all day today knowing that they were there, but I didn't get on them until, you know, afternoon. So it was kind of a tough thing, but I, I just kind of stuck with my guns and, and stayed with that decision and, and ended up catching them all afternoon. You know, equipment is a, a, a big thing here. Your equipment has to be absolutely perfect. A lot of guys got beat up really bad on Monday and Tuesday, uh, couldn't get their fish, didn't have the trolling motor, didn't have the range. How was it for you? It was okay. I had some hiccups this morning. I couldn't get my graph to work. Um, Troll motor needed some tightening, you know, just different things. You know, you got to keep, you know, respooling lines, and it's a marathon every day, and just keeping your stuff at tip top as best you can. Now, what worked best for you today? Because again, 11 pounds today is epic. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we caught them on crankbaits, a um, couple of jig fish, uh, one fish on an Alabama rig. Um, just kind of mixed it up, but the crankbait was kind of the deal today. That wind kicked up, and it just turned on. Seemed like I hear more people catching a, a jig fish here today. I mean, Sean Bailey. He had the big fish of the tournament so far. He had a jig fish, so oh, wow. a little more jig fishing today. Guys were doing whatever they can, swinging for the fence. Yeah, yeah, that was the deal today, and I knew I had to, you know, so I threw big baits all day. I wanted to pick up a drop shot. I knew there were spots I wanted to do that, but it just it didn't make sense for, for being day three. Well, so. Jeff, overall, I know you didn't finish where you wanted to finish overall, but you had two great days in there. And next year, who knows, put yeah, them together. I hope so. That's one of the attractions I'll of Lake Mead. Three good days in a row in Lake Mead is pretty hard to come by. Oh, so. it is, especially for weather-wise. Right. Jeff Martineau, please, you know, please accept our thanks for spending some time with us. I know oh, you're sure. tired. want to get your <laughs> boat washed, go home, and everything yeah. like that. Oh, man. Hey, good luck to you. Hope, maybe you still get a check. We had a great time. Hope All so. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Clayton Bell from San Diego. Clayton, you were leading this tournament. Uh, you were in the hot seat there for a little while. Congratulations. Great bag. It's like you almost uh, continually improved. Uh, what happened today? Uh, the wind blew on the right spots. The bass were there. We just uh, we got the right bites. They were there the last two days, too. They just couldn't get the right bites, and uh, they just bit today. Yeah, right now it looks like you have about 26 pounds at all. You're going to really moved up in the standings considerably. Uh, what was the bite on today, guy? Uh, I caught every one I weighed in this week on the spook, super spook. Uh, no kidding. Yep. You know, now equipment, I know you've been ha you've been fighting equipment uh, the whole week. Uh, everything worked out today and you got a chance to do what you wanted to do? Yeah, um, the trolling motor broke again today about uh, probably three quarters of the way through the tournament, but I mean, we already had our bag by 11.30, so it didn't make a difference. We just came back in and hung around Colville. Okay, Clayton Bellman from San Diego, thanks a lot. Hope we see you up there for a big check. No problem. Thanks, John. Hey, Clayton, you were on uh, the hot seat there for a long time. Last guy just uh, eased you out, but great, great effort here. Yeah, yeah, I, I was really surprised to have made it up that far. 
Um, I didn't think, I mean, I had a small lead. It was hard to catch, but, uh, you know, seeing, you know, when I saw him butt him back, I was like, oh, he's got enough weight to, to get close. And so, you know, I don't feel too bad at all. I mean, yeah, a lot of guys coming up here congratulating you. What uh, what won uh, it, or you got the second place uh, finish for you? Um, a lot of jig fish, uh, a couple of drop shot fish, one, you know, one jerk bait fish, but mostly jig fish. All right. Well, you know what? Three days did well. I know Henderson, this is your home body of water, but this isn't really home to anybody. It's always almost like a foreign land. Yeah, and I, I don't fish here except for tournaments. The tournaments are coming up. Um, I, get, I don't get out on the water too much except for tournaments. All right. So this is, you know. Hey, Mark, congratulations to your second place fish in the U.S. Open. Great job, guy. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, Riley, we talked to you on Tuesday. You were in second place. Uh, man, I was looking at the standing stage. Someone reported you didn't even have a fish That's by 10 o'clock. Yeah, I think uh, actually my co-angler caught our first fish around 11.15. Then we went another hour, hour and a half with just that one fish. So it was 12, almost 1 probably. I got a big bite on the top water. That was the one, my biggest one I weighed. And uh, about an hour after that, I got a double on the same bait. So I gave us four, caught another one on a crankbait. And then right at the end, I caught one other upgrade, kicked out a short, a smaller one, and uh, had one other good one on that I lost, and I thought it might come back to haunt me, but praise the Lord, it, I didn't need well, it. How do you keep your composure? Because the fact you're looking at 11 o'clock, you know you have a real shot at it, and man, you're looking at the live well, it ain't there. How do you keep your composure and just say, I've got a couple more hours, and what do you do? I'll tell you, man, I, I wear this on my jersey. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Well, he must have given you some divine intervention, because what baits did he guide you to use to, to win out there? Uh, most, of the, most of the fish I caught on a Dual Realis uh, pencil, which is a topwater walking bait. Uh, awesome bait. I caught most of them on that. Uh, a few on a Spro crankbait and a couple on a Yamamoto jig. Well, you know, I know you went to the FLW. You were disappointed there, but your son, Sonny? You did a good job. You come back here, and you win the U.S. Open. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I know you got a lot of people waiting to say hello to you. Thanks for stopping by to say hello to us on Ron Real. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday night to give us a look-see and see what's happening. We especially want to thank Jr. our AM540 producer. Ben Harvey is our local producer here in San Diego. And always, always in memory of Big Tuna Bill. And Eddie McCune, who really launched the show, thanks, guys. We appreciate this legacy we left. So on behalf of Stan, Wendy, and all the crew at Rod and Reel Radio, thanks for listening. Get out there and get them. They're getting away. Keep safe. We look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday night on AM 540 starting at 5.05 p.m. Or listen to us on RodandReelRadio.com. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you on the water. We're out for now.